Having the confidence to write your own story can be hard, let alone to live your own story. Today, we go to change that. This is episode 209 with McKenna Kelly, and you're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today I am joined by former gymnast McKenna. Before we dive into things, here's a quick one from one of our partners over at BetterHelp. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. McKenna, welcome, girl. It's good to see you. You're glowing, and I love it. Um, for those of you not familiar with who you are, what you do, you got a background in gymnastics, but you do so much more than that. You talk a lot about these mental blocks that come up, both as an athlete and then in life beyond it. So I'm super excited to jam and have a conversation with you on really how people can start to work through these mental blocks. And I really want to highlight that life, I don't want to say life changing, but injury that you went through at some point, because a few weeks ago, you put up a really powerful post around that pivotal point in your career. So, I mean, before we dive there, how are you? Like what's going on in your life right now? How you feel? I'm feeling good. You're so sweet with that introduction. Um, so yeah, things are good. Um, working um with the holiday season we were you know we were chatting before this things get crazy in this time um my mom and i host gymnastics meets and that season will start up in the spring so we'll be traveling a lot in those first two months of the year the new year um but besides that just you know i think just i guess to get into it part of that you know retiring as an athlete doing that your whole life and then getting into this adulting world that you're just kind of thrown into something that i I'm finally starting to find my own way in is a routine is a daily routine. Mm. Um, and so I've been, I've been pretty, uh, strict with my daily routine and it, it's made me feel like an athlete again, but with flexibility and with me being kind of the head coach of it. Um, so that's really helped me stay in the groove of things and not just go through the motions day by day, which I think as a retired athlete, that's probably the hardest thing for me anyway, is, to just go through the motions and just have another day. Um, mm. Having a routine allows for, you know, that strict discipline that we're used to, but it also allows you to have perspective and know that each day is going to be different. Um, but sticking to that routine helps you kind of improve on each day um, and enjoy each day. So that's kind of been the biggest thing that I have been exploring and, and really enjoying is um, creating that daily routine that kind of separates the, the boring aspect of what, you know, mm. each day can look like, um, if you don't, you know, implement some change to it or some direction in it. Yeah. How did you end up coming across your routine or like, what have you found in that really experimental period? It sounds yeah. like we're talking about, um, to have worked for you because and I'm always cautious with asking this because it truly is unique to the individual. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to find what has worked for you and maybe what hasn't worked for you in that process too. Yeah. So something that didn't work for me was not having routine. And I didn't, and I didn't even realize, I thought that was working for me. I thought mm-hmm. it was not having routine. I thought it was really good for me to step away from, you know, not having that every day, every minute schedule. Um, but my personality type is very much, I thrive on that. I thrive on checklists. I thrive on being told what to do. If you give me directions, not only will I get it done, but I will get it done seamlessly, um, and right on time, you know, just the athlete mentality and character that we all, I feel like have, um, in our own way. Um, but actually, and oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I used to like not be against the whole YouTube thing, but saying that I used to have a YouTube channel, but I like my (laughs) sister loves YouTube. Like is always watching YouTube, like has her favorite YouTubers that she watches. And like, I never really got on board with that. Um, I'm someone that's obsessed with efficiency. And I always felt like 
well, how is that going to make me better? I feel like if anything, that's just, that's just like binging Netflix, just in a different way, right? Like, why am I watching someone else's life when I can improve my own? But big butt there, I am now, well, I say this, I love one YouTuber that I watch and she's super motivational. Um, she, she does things in her own way, but she has multiple YouTube videos of like her 5am daily routine. Mm. Um, and really inspired me I love she's super into fitness like my my kind of values and what I'm into align with hers and so that made it um a lot easier to make my own routine I could kind of base it off hers in a way with my own twists of course um but I was super inspired by her motivation and the way that she you know had things set up for her day and that has changed I don't want to say changed my life but it has definitely changed my attitude towards each day so that's probably been the biggest thing um, is honestly, I was inspired by a YouTuber. <laughs> I love that. Um, how did you find yourself maybe not comparing and, and being inspired? Like, I think that it's really easy in today's day and age to see all the YouTubers, all the influencers, all the creators or whatever, um, people pushing out something. And if you're not in quote unquote, a good space or a space where you want to be, I think it's really easy to just sit there and then play the comparison game. And be like, well, like, I don't know. It's so easy for her to do that. How did you think, or how do you think you were more receptive to being inspired rather than sitting in this comparison that so many of us can maybe find ourselves in? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's something I still struggle with is that mm. comparison game. And I'm someone that I'm, I'm a zero to or a hundred person. There's really no in between with me. I'm either fully committed and I'm going to get it done or I'm like super unmotivated, not going to do it. I'm hesitant to call myself lazy because I don't think, especially anyone with an athletic background, I don't think any of us are really lazy, but I feel like a lot lazier these days. Um, but I think, I think the biggest thing with staying inspired, um, is allowing yourself to fail mm. and, but being, giving yourself grace in that. I used to really hold myself to a standard. And if I failed, I just would think I was the worst person ever. And I was the same as an athlete. Um, if I made a mistake, I, you feel so, when you make a mistake, you feel so far away from that end goal and you feel like it's never going to happen for you or it's not achievable. Um, but especially with implementing a daily routine, it, and, and coming up with monthly goals, that's been huge for me as well Is actually sitting down, creating a space where I am setting the tone to what I want to accomplish in that month. Um, mm -hmm. That has been really big for me too, because I think even setting baby step goals, and this is something I, I teach, you know, the, my clients, the kids I work with, with um, building that mental toughness is, you know, we have this long-term goal we're trying to achieve, especially kids dealing with mental blocks who are afraid to do a certain skill. Um, you know, we have this, this long-term goal of, of course, we want to get that skill. Is that something that can happen tomorrow? Absolutely not. And that's okay. I think coming to that realization and accepting that it's okay, that that can't happen right now, but mm. what's what can we do along the way? What are baby steps we can take to get to that long-term goal? Um, and I think it's taken me this long. I've, I've had my business for a little over a year now. And I think it's taken me up just to a few months ago, maybe weeks ago, that I'm preaching to the choir, right? I'm preaching. I should be taking my own advice of, you know, taking those baby step goals and um, it, to, to accomplish that long-term goal. So um, it, it's, it's definitely something I still struggle with in comparison, I think, whether you're an athlete or not, it's something everyone struggles with. Whether you're a mom, whether you are an entrepreneur, whether you are an athlete, we all have, especially with our social media, um, mm. it's so easy to just pop on that app and see people living in the dreams that you are dreaming of. And that, that can be a hard pill to swallow, but you have to understand that, you know, one of my favorite quotes is you, if you want to be great, you got to start somewhere. And, and that, that is something that I really hold on to because in order to be great, you got to be okay with starting small. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you have so many nuggets there. Um, yeah. So many things that I want to like dive into more. I think you brought up a good point, right? The one of the reasons the social media thing, it's such a challenge for so many of us. I mean, we look at our, our parents or grandparents, they like had to fight against that comparison trap, maybe like a handful of times a day. You know what I mean? It wasn't very often that you ran into your favorite celebrity and you were like, oh my God, they are, they're living my dream. I, I want to see that. Or how can I do that? Or I'm not there yet. And 
today, I mean, I don't even know what the the average number of like impressions we all have as we right. scroll. I'd be, I'm sure, I almost like want to look that up because I'm sure we'll all be shocked by that number. Yeah. Um, but we're constantly fighting that at 100x, probably the scale that the generations before us were fighting. And then to add on to that too, the nature, I think of the nature of your sport um, being very, really subjective, right? Yeah. And the judging of, hey, this this girl is inherently better or worse than you really boils down to who's probably judging that day. Um, definitely plays a role into it. And I look at kind of my background in swim and there's that element of, you know, at least there's a clock, um, which right. helps <laughs> a little bit, make it a little bit more objective, but it's still the nature of sport plays to the nature of comparison. Mm-hmm. It, there's, you play to win. So my question really is around with the kids you're working with now in particular, as a coach, both in the gymnastics side of things and yeah. in the mental performance side of things, how are you working through the inherent nature of comparison in that sport and really inspiring them to just take action, to go out there and work, like try something new, get curious or, or what does that look like? Something that I wish I would have learned when I was younger, when I was these kids age that I'm working with. Um, it's, it's super important that you, that you normalize things. And that sounds so simple and so cliche, but I Mm. think a lot of kids, the first thing I ask if a kid is dealing with a mental block, what are you afraid of? Because half the time, these kids don't even know half the time, these kids aren't allowed to talk about that fear because their coach is telling them, we'll just do it. Just go for it. You know, they're not, they're not bringing that fear into the light and talking about it. And so, so that's Mm. something that's super important to me is creating a safe space for that kid to know that they can talk about this fear. I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to, you know, push them. I'm not going to, well, I'm going to push them, but in a comfortable, good paced way, of course, healthy way. Um, but I'm not their coach, you know, I'm there to be their friend, their, their mentor, their guide kind of through this. And I think bringing that fear to light and talking about um, mental blocks and what they're struggling with is super duper important. Um, and something I do, I teach them my four tips to success, things I used when I was an athlete. And something I talk to them about is role models and why they're so important, why it is we look up mm. to people. Um, I always encourage them to, you know, get a poster of your favorite athlete, get a, get, you know, if, if you're someone you look up to is your mom, get a picture of you and your mom and ha- keep that in your room. So you have a visual of reminding yourself that we're not trying to become that person, right? We're trying to become the best version of ourselves. That's something I, I really make sure to hit home because it's so easy to go on Instagram and see your favorite athlete or, you know, celebrity or influencer and, and want to become them. But when we are so busy looking at everything we're not, we're missing everything that we are. And so it's super Mm. duper important that we remind ourselves we can, uh, we can admire a quality about someone, but at the end of the day, we're trying to take that little puzzle piece and see how we can fit it into who we are and how we can better ourselves. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, you're someone I think that has done a fantastic job of that. It's, I mean, given the family history um, that runs in your family, it's, it would be easy to kind of live in that shadow and, you know, from getting to know you and seeing the stuff that you've put out into the world and just how you carry yourself. I think you've done a fantastic job differentiating yourself while drawing on the qualities that you do admire. I think it's awesome that you and your mom do these camps and these meets together, but you're not her. Like you, you are you. How, how did you start to work and maybe unpack that? Um, Was there ever a comparison between you and her? At your in your life, and then if someone might find themselves in a similar situation, similar shoes as you found yourself, how would you suggest that they start to explore their uniqueness and embrace that uniqueness? I was very lucky that I there wasn't a comparison game in in mm. my um my mom. For those of you who don't know, my mom was the first American to win um, the all around in the Olympics in gymnastics. Um, 1984 was her Olympic year. Um, She is so special because not only did she have four daughters who are, you know, the same gender and in the same sport, Mm. um, that could have been so easy for her to have this expectation and this standard. Um, And she very much 
allowed us to find the love for the sport, very much allowed it to be our journey within the sport. Um, I think people are very surprised when they hear that my mom would just pick us up from school and drop us off at practice and be like, all right, see you later. Pick you up when, you know, when it's over, she never stayed in the gym and we, we'd, we'd have to beg her to, to come into the gym and watch practice. Mm. Um, and, and I think that was a really cool thing because she really, really did a good job of separating that, you know, mom role versus like a coaching role. She, she never, I mean, I'd have to video things and bring it to her and be like, can you tell me like what I need to work on? And it would be like pulling teeth, which I'm super grateful for. So I, if anything, the media was the ones that would compare us. And, and I don't think even really in a negative light per se, but yeah. that's definitely, if I ever saw any comparison between my mom, if I ever felt that it was never from my mom, it was always through the media or an article, you know, the way that things are these days. But, um, and that's something that's really cool about our meets is, um, you know, kind of, even though my mom and I did both do gymnastics, we had our own path, you know, she took the Olympic route. I took the college route and it's cool because what makes our meet so special is not only are we representing that mom and daughter bond or, you know, that, that, that gymnast caretaker bond, whoever that role for the mom figure is in that kid's life, mm-hmm. because I not, that's not practical for every kid. Um, but for every kid that shows up, we're not only representing what they can be or, you know, those dreams, but the parents know who my mom is and then the kids know who I am. So it's a really cool dynamic to see come together. And my mom genuinely, we, we genuinely have such a good time when we do these meets. So, um, as far as comparison, I never felt that from my mom. If anything, it was from the media. That's awesome. I was about to say the media can be tricky, right? Sometimes like trying to force a story for the sake of forcing a story. Um, I'm, I'm curious too, you, you talked a little bit earlier about fear and it's gotta be in the back of your head. I would imagine to some extent when you're doing and putting your body through these crazy flips, twists, everything, right. You're going inverted. Um, I about a, I'm making a video a little bit later today of, I had an Olympic diver here in Austin, teach me how to dive. Oh and God. it's actually in, so embarrassing um, watching me like do a flip off the diving board. I'm, I'm terrified of going inverted. So one props to you for being okay with that and embracing that and doing that often. But one of the fears that I would imagine, at least in my head, when I'm trying those things, is that fear of injury and that fear of this, like something could go terribly wrong at this. How did pre Achilles injury, you approach mm-hmm. it and then when that happened, did anything shift and and did you have to learn how to trust your body again to like go through that? And what was that process like for you? I think before, um, my injury, I'm trying to think back, trying to put myself back in the gym. Um, I, I never allowed that to be a thought, honestly. Mm. I think, I think I, I realized my job in the gym is to show up and take each turn one at a time, give my best effort that day and leave the gym. Like that's my job is to show up and do the work. I think if we allow ourselves to get, this is what I tell my kids, our brain is gonna, our brain has space and whether, and it's usually going to fill with negative things if we don't do something about it. Cause that's just kind mm-hmm. of a human nature thing. Um, so I think I, I just didn't allow it. I think I set kind of a, a rule with myself that, um, it's just, it's not something we can think about. Is it going to happen? Is there a chance that it can happen? Yeah. But is that something I can control? No. And I think you also have to, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And within those seasons, there's still something you can learn. You don't have to sit back on the sidelines and, and watch everyone else succeed because there's still so much you can do within those seasons, um, mm. whether you're out there competing or not. And that's definitely what I learned through my injury, that your sport isn't everything. It's not your identity. That's another thing I, I talk to my clients about is you're not only are you a, you're, you're a gymnast. Yes, but that's not everything. You're a daughter, you're a sister, you're a friend, you're a student. There's so much more to you. And at the end of the day, it's just gymnastics. Like it's not that serious. It's going to be okay. I think as athletes, we really put our sport on this pedestal. That is, it is the end all be all. And if we don't do everything within the sport, we are just the biggest failure and life Mm -hmm. goes on. 
sports. And we, we know that because we're outside of it now, but when you're in it, you, you don't realize that. And I think that's definitely what my injury showed me. Um, but coming back from my injury, actually having a whole year off of gymnastics, that mind body connection was really weak. Um, and something I, I did every single day was I would visualize myself succeeding because what we think is what we become. And that works both ways, whether it's positively or negatively, the choice is yours. Um, and I really would just close my eyes and just picture myself successfully doing my gymnastics. And sure, there were some times where I would close my eyes and see myself make a mistake. I'd have to, you know, open my eyes and try again because, you know, things do happen. But if I want myself to succeed, I have to I have to hold myself to an expectation that um, that it is possible. I have to I have to open that that gate of this is possible. And I have to I have to believe that if I if I want it to happen, I got to speak that over myself. Um, but there were definitely days in the gym where I would, and I can say this confidently, unfortunately, I was paralyzed with fear. Like there were days where mm -hmm. I just could not go, um, and having good communication with my coaches and telling them like, Hey, today is not a day where I can push. Um, and I think that was healthy. I think it was healthy. There are some days where rest is better than working and that's okay. And I think as athletes, that's, that's not something that's preached to us. That's not something that is okay. It's not normalized. It's, it's not, it's not something that we see in a positive light, but I do think on those days where I wasn't able to, it was more beneficial for me to move on to something else. Um, but trusting myself, taking it one step at a time, trusting that the doctors release me because I'm ready, trusting that my trainers are putting me on the right program, trusting in my team, trusting in my coaches. Um, and then of course, trusting in myself and knowing that I can do this as simple yeah. as that. How did you learn to differentiate between those days? Like what were signs that you were looking for maybe yeah. that pointed towards, Hey, like we can push it today or mm, maybe not. Let's, let's yeah. take a step back. Um, it really was, we would go to, so I tore my Achilles is well, that was my big injury. Um, I was tumbling on the floor exercise and on those days where we would have floor, because on some days we do vault, some days we do floor, um, trying to separate those pounding events, trying to be easier on the body. Um, we would, in those days we would have floor, I would go to floor and I would literally be standing in the corner, just staring down at the floor, knowing what I'm about to put myself through. And there were days where I just couldn't move. I'd be like, no, I'm too scared today. Like there, this isn't going to happen. Um, and then there were some days where I would just, I would be able to talk myself into it, remind myself of, you know, the mental training that I'm doing on the side of visualization. Um, you know, the fact that my doctors have my back, my team has my back in those days, I was able to talk myself into it a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, other days it was just, I, I, it was better for me to take a step back and, and remove myself from that event. I like that. Um, you, you said something too, almost injury gave you perspective in a way it gave you this <clears throat> opportunity to take a step back and really take inventory of, of who McKenna is beyond yeah just gymnastics. What was that process like? Was that scary initially at first? Like, did it feel like the world was crashing down or was it relatively more positive mindset of like, okay, cool. This part of me is offline. Now let's discover the rest of me that still works and still functions. Uh, the injury is it's, it's the athlete's biggest fear, right? To be removed from your sport to not be what you've been your whole life. That is our biggest fear. And I had never had an injury that sidelined me from a season. I, I, every year I competed, it didn't matter if it was a small injury. I'd, I'd never had like something that really removed me from the sport that would require surgery. I honestly, it was, I can't remember if it was the night before surgery. I think it was the night before surgery. I, I was laying in my bed or maybe it was the day after my surgery. Anyway, I was laying there and I just remember thinking it was the, okay. It was the day before surgery because I was crying. I was really upset. And then something just clicked. I don't know what it was, but I, I remember getting to a place where I was talking to myself saying, you know what? I have every right to be upset. I've worked my butt off this whole summer to get back to a good place after, you know, a summer off. Um, I was ready for season. I was excited about season going into junior year. You're normally you're feeling good. You've got two years under your belt. You know, what comes with season, you know, what comes with preseason things are predictable, makes it more comfortable. You know what you're getting yourself into. Um, I was feeling really good about my junior year and, and then it all's taken away from me. And I just remember laying there and I was affirming to myself, I have every right to be upset. I worked my butt off and for what, right. 
but I have a choice because you always have a choice. And I remember saying to myself, I can let this injury embrace me or I can embrace it because I do think everything happens for a reason. So this is for me. I have to trust that this was part of my plan the whole time and that this injury is for me. This injury is going to give me everything that everything and more that a competitive season was going to give me. And I, I honestly think that's the only way you can look at it because otherwise you're going to miss a whole season where you could be learning and growing and, and being successful by sulking, by letting it eat you up. And, and you have, you just, you have a choice. And I think that mm-hmm. was the biggest thing um, that I, that my injury taught me. It, it really did give me so much perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think what's huge there is one, like, you allowed yourself to address the elephant in the room. Right. You can acknowledge it. It's not be delusional and say, yeah, like this isn't it. Like we're just going to move on. And like you brought attention to it, which I think is huge. Because then I think whether you realized it or not, what I would really think or what I would imagine is that was the precursor to then allowing yourself to be open to truly believing that this thing has happened for you and be able to embrace that injury. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. What else did you find in that process of like who you were beyond just athletics? What did that start to look like for you? I mean, I think because I took this season as, you know, I can still benefit from this. It doesn't have to be just because I was supposed to do gymnastics and I'm not, doesn't mean I can't be better Mm. for it. Um, and it's given me where I'm at today. It's given me all the the jobs of being an entrepreneur that I have. I'm a coach who understands what it's like to be injured. I understand what it's like to be a gymnast. And now I'm that coach, that role model, the coaches I didn't have, I can be that for them, but I can also be, I can teach them the things I wish I would have known earlier. Um, Mm. I have with my mom. I, I think, I don't think our, our legacy would be as strong um, because I kind of, I honestly made a name for myself in college because of my injury. People noticed me because of my, my attitude on the sidelines. And I think that's huge. I mean, you have girls competing on a floor doing super cool flips and you're looking at someone that's on the sideline like that. And that's not to, you know, to my own horn, but I think that just goes to show that you can still be a light. It doesn't matter what your role is that you're, you still have a role. You still are important. Um, it's just, it's a matter of believing that and doing something about that. Um, but because of my injury, I, I have all of these opportunities, all these avenues. I have a home equipment line. I have, um, I had a leotard line. I, I have a business now where I can teach kids how to be mentally tough, whether you're injured or not. Um, it, it was truly, and people look at me like I have three heads when I say this, but I, my injury was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I allowed it to be, and I think that's the biggest thing is I allowed it to do something for me. Hmm. You mentioned earlier too, like when we're athletes, when we're in it, it's, it's tough to see, like we hear the value, we hear the story of, well, you got injured, you were able to start these other avenues and, and discover uh, really who you are and express yourself in multiple ways, rather just through the gymnastics avenue, right? Like these are these natural extensions off of you. It's, really tough. I think when you're in it to buy into that. So I'm curious as to one, how do you, I mean, really now as a coach, like how are you allowing the girls that you work with to be bought in and how are you creating that buy-in for them to say, you know, I know you feel like it's end all be all, this is your world. And if you don't get anything higher than a nine or a 10 or whatever, then you're worthless how are you allowing them to truly embrace the process and really allow that self-discovery beyond the mat and the gym in the first place? Right. I think more, most importantly, I, I just encourage it. I I'm very mm-hmm. much an encourager. It's just kind of naturally who I am. Um, but I think the sport in itself is so hard on you as not only a gymnast, but a person, it just, it really can, it, it kind of pulls all aspects of life together. And it makes you, it just kind of makes you a perfectionist. That's, I mean, if you think about it, the whole goal of our sport is to be perfect and you show up and the judge tells you, here's where you went wrong. Let me take off all these points because this is where you sucked. Like, that's just, that's literally what our sport does. And it's a so good feeling, right? <laughs> you feel great. You can really walk away feeling confident. Um, so I, I really, this sounds maybe kind of silly, but I'm really 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm just, I'm very particular about the tone I use with my gymnasts. Um, mm. I, I like to be, I mean, I'm harsh when I need to be tough love, of course. Um, but I'm very, I, I almost like to make it playful because again, the sport is so hard on, on the athlete anyway. Um, I don't think they need another reinforcer to remind them like, Hey, you're doing really bad at this. I think, especially when they're having a tough day. Cause I remember those days. I mean, there's days where you don't want to be there. And I, that's something I normalize too. There are days that you don't want to be there and that's okay because you're a human and that's going to happen. But you, regardless, if you want to be there or not, you still have four hours. So it's up to you. What are you going to do in these four hours? Are you going to go mm-hmm. through the that you don't want to be here or are you going to do the best that you can take one term at a time and try to be better today i think they need someone that's going to encourage them that's going to remind them of they of their voice and their choice um in in the practice in the workout um i think the sport already does a good job of um holding them to an expectation and of course i do too i do expect my gymnasts to to show up and, and want to be better that day but um something I think any coach can agree with, they would rather work with the kid that's coachable and has that perspective than the kid that has talent. Because at the end of the day, um, the kid that wants to be better is going to go farther. Um, and I, again, I just think being an encourager is really important, especially at a young age, um, reminding them it's just a sport. It's just gymnastics. It's going to be okay. You're going to go home. You're going to, you're going to have dinner. You're going to be with your family and you're going to wake up and, and have another day. It's just, it's just gymnastics. I think that's something I really try to hit home on it's it's just a sport it's going to be okay yeah yeah it's so interesting because I I often say that like sport can be this playground for self-discovery and for us to to find that confidence to find that value that self-worth and and really that identity so that when we look at ourselves in the mirror because you know if you look at it especially during our developmental years growing up um, we're constantly seeking to answer that question of who am I who am I? What, when I look in the mirror, who do I like, do I recognize that person? What, who is that? Uh, and then at some point it shifts. Uh, and I'm not, I think at that point changes for everyone, um, to more of, this is solely who I am. I found my identity. I'm going to like triple down on this. So I think that's awesome that you're encouraging people to diversify that identity earlier on um, and not put all of their eggs in the basket of gymnastics is life. Um, Right. In Maryland, we have that saying of like lax is life. I always joked like at some point, the summer team that I coached there, like I lost my best kids to gymnastics or not gymnastics, lacrosse, uh, lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Everyone would leave. Uh, They would typically get really good at lacrosse. They would be just all around good athletes. So they were good athletes on the summer swim team. I'd be like, okay, cool. Just when I thought I had it figured out as a coach, they're right. like, sorry, Corey, we got to go uh, play lax because lax is life. And I was like, man, but don't you know about well-rounded and like diversifying sport? Yeah. How, I'd be curious in, in your take of being on the coaching side now, um, like when it comes to specialization in just one sport, at what point, at what age are you seeing girls now like go all in on gymnastics? Are you encouraging that? Or are you, are you all allowing them to try multiple things and do seasons in other sports? Yeah. Um, our head coach is, is really good about that. She encourages, um, other, other sports, other activities. Um, I think because we, she also was a D1 athlete, um, also in the SEC, just the best conference. Um, so a little bit, a little bit biased there. Maybe. It's also the truth. Um, anyway, so we both kind of have this mindset that we both know gymnastics isn't everything. Um, and so we do encourage, you know, the kids to try other things, to be with their families, um, if they need to, uh, take a day off because mentally they just haven't been in a good place in the gym. We do that. I mean, that we had one kid that just was, she just was not being coachable, just not making corrections. And, um, I don't want to say becoming a danger to herself, but mm. mentally she just wasn't improving and we noticed that. And so we, we actually asked her to take a week off because we thought that was going to be better for her. And she came back a whole new gymnast. So I think, um, just being aware of things like that, but also the commitment level in, in a sport like gymnastics, especially is extreme. Cause we don't have an off season. It's not like you can take a season off and then come back and go the next level. You have to continually train those skills, um, and then improve on them, you know, yeah. because the skills that you, 
uh, compete, usually you add to them. You, you just add another skill behind it or, you know, that skill has to upgrade. So it's super important that we keep the basics, you keep the foundation um, alive because that's not something you can just walk away from and pick up again um, after a few months off. So um, with gymnastics being kind of a year round sport, um, the commitment level is very, very important. And I think, I think it depends on the kid. I think it depends on their personality type, um, their coaching style, because every kid needs to be coached differently. I, I'm very, that is very important um, that coaches understand that, that you can't, it's not a one size fit all. Every kid is different. Some kids do better with a little tough love. Some kids do better with encouragement in a, in a more positive, upbeat way. Um, some kids do better with, um, you know, rules and, and, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, do they just do better when you, when you have kind of like a reward system or just a system yeah. put in place? So, um, knowing, you know, each kid is different and each kid is going to be committed differently. Um, I think, um, you, you just have to be on board with that and, and know that, you know, each kid's going to come around in their own way. Yeah. What, what I'm curious now that you're on the other side of that yourself as an athlete and in, in, into the quote unquote real world, you said it a little bit earlier, how you were trying to experiment and find like what works for you. How would you encourage someone who's maybe earlier on in that transition to start, start that experimenting or learn really what they need, like their coaching style um, in the non-sporting world, let's put it that way, the non-organized sports world. Uh, in that new environment of maybe they found themselves in a new job right. or whatever it is that they take um, post, whether that be entrepreneur, um, corporate, some hybrid startup, whatever. How would you recommend that person start to one, reflect and maybe discover their coaching style and then two, speak up and, and vocalize that? That's a great question. Um, I think our sports teach us so much. And I think you have to you know, it teaches you more than just flips and, and tricks and whatever your sport, um, you know, teaches you physically. Um, there's so many mentally and emotionally um, or mental and emotional tips and tricks we've also learned in our sport. And I think adapting and adjusting because any athlete knows when you go to a new environment, you have to adjust and, and adapt to that. You know, when you go mm -hmm. to a competition. It's a new arena, a new environment. Um, remind yourself you've been in harder situations, you know, remind yourself of that time where you went to that meet and your ankle was really hurting and, and you, you know, put yourself in a position where you adjusted and you did the things you had to do. Um, I think athletics and especially at a high level is probably the hardest, some of the hardest things you're going to go through in life at, and, and at a young, impressionable age. So I think um, when you are facing a new job or a new environment, just take a step back and remind yourself of the times where you have been in even a tougher situation. Um, I think that gives you kind of a boost in morale and confidence in the moment and reminds yourself you, you can do this and you got this. Yeah. I like that. And I'm curious to know too, personally, because one of the things I still struggle to wrap my head around is like the true translation of that mental toughness, because in the physical sense, I know I can still go there. Mm -hmm. I do often, but it, I've struggled with the practical application of that on right. a day, day basis. Like, is that show up in my career now of like, I'm going to have 20 of these conversations today and make content all day or, or whatever that is. How are you finding ways for you to express your mental toughness now that maybe aren't physical, aren't just like throwing yourself through the ringer in the gym? Um, yeah. And just like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. that's, that's what I'm no, struggling with personally. That's a great question. And that's, that's something I struggle with too, a lot. Um, the first thing when you said that that popped in my head was my run this morning. Um, I'm like slowly trying to get back into running and, um, as simple as if you set your mind to a goal that, you know, you can achieve, don't, don't make it extra you know, don't mm. adjust it and be like, okay, well, I can do more. Well, of course you can do more, but why don't I actually hold myself to that standard? Because something I do a lot is I'll set a goal that, that I can achieve, but it, you know, it's still challenging. It's a good, it's a good goal. And then once I'm in the middle of accomplishing that, I'll be like, oh, let me just add on this. Let me just add on this. And then I create this goal that maybe is a little too big. It's a little too broad for my situation right at the moment. And then I've set myself up for failure because I've set this goal almost on purpose 
So I can mm. take a step back and written, like prove to myself, oh, you see, you couldn't do it. So I think the biggest thing that's been helpful for me is you know, telling myself if I'm going to run two miles today, I'm going to run two miles today. I'm not going to not going to make it smaller. I'm not going to make it greater. I'm going to stick to that goal um, so I can walk away feeling accomplished and also being proud of myself that I didn't try to change my direction in the moment, because that's something I tend to do often is I try to like just make things bigger and bolder because of my background, because I used to, you know, do all these really crazy hard things. And now I'm trying to run two miles. Like, are you kidding me? Like that's pathetic. And it's not because I'm in a new place and I'm, I'm, I'm not that athlete anymore. And that's okay. That is okay. That you're not that athlete anymore. You are still you. Um, and you can still accomplish hard things, um, that maybe weren't hard back then, but they are now. And again, that's okay. I think telling yourself that that's okay. And then, then achieving it, that's going to help you get into that direction that you're trying to get to. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm, you remind me often of like moving that goalpost further and further, or it's like, we do it to ourselves, right? We, we see it. We're about to be there. And it's like, yes. And I'm like, no, more. another half mile. It's like, no, I'm not like, I'm tired. Like, it's okay. I accomplished my goal. Oh yeah. Fine. I get it. In the, in the non-physical sense, where is that kind of showing up for you or, or how would you recommend, which I think is an interesting question for you because you quite literally you're helping majority of the time, helping athletes improve their mental toughness on the mat and in the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, But how are you applying and working on that mental toughness, maybe even personally, or, or how would you translate it to beyond those walls? Again, and I know I keep, I keep saying this, but I just, I think normalizing that you are not going to be a hundred percent every day. And that is okay. I think the athlete in us expects ourselves to continue to be this machine and Mm -hmm. life throws different things at you, especially as an adult, you have so much on your plate. Um, You're not, you know, you're not a kid anymore that everything's being provided for you. You have so many more stressors and worries and just adult things to to be done. Um, And so I always tell my kids, you know, Mondays, maybe you're feeling hundred percent. You're coming off a, a weekend, you're well-rested. Um, then maybe Tuesday comes around, you, you got in a fight with your friend, or maybe you did bad on a test, or maybe you're not feeling well. They, so your, your max today is 50%. Give that 50%. Don't, you don't need to expect yourself to be at hundred percent when you know that that is not, that's not applicable today. That's okay. Mm. Being okay with that, being okay that 50 is the most I can give, but what you shouldn't be okay with is not giving that 50%, right? So I think as long as you are giving your best effort and being honest with yourself in that and being like, this is the best I can do today and not beating yourself up for it, that it wasn't as good as Mondays because you were feeling really good, um, take it day by day and just give your best effort. Mm. I was about to say, you said something earlier of like taking one turn at a time. Is that the right mm-hmm. phrase? Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I don't, don't have a gymnastics background myself, but I, I love that approach because it allows you to start small and build regardless of how you feel um, mm-hmm. in that moment. I mean, there was times for me in swim where it was like, yeah, you, you walked into the building and your body was literally so beat up. Um, the The question wasn't like, okay, we're not going to PR today, but maybe I'm not even going to hit pace today, but I right. can still work on getting right. it out of the wall quick. I can still work on some days. Literally the metric for me was, did I, or did I not breathe my last stroke in and my first stroke out of every wall today? Yeah. Reinforcing good habits, regardless yeah. of feeling, Love I think that. is is huge. And that's just, I think so interesting in this space, um, whether it be sport and even beyond sports, just a a good stage for us to see it Mm -hmm. often is almost, we've seen this pendulum swing from like crazy authoritarian back, maybe when we were first getting into sport or a few decades ago of like, yeah, forget mental health, grind through it, move on, like suck it up, go, go hard to now almost all the way to the other side of, yeah. oh, you don't feel good today. Okay. No worries. Like you don't, you don't have to, how do you, how do you find yourself navigating that almost? And I, I'd be curious, like my dad still coaches 
I talked with him about that and I'm like, it's got to feel like you're walking on eggshells to some extent. Like, how are you, how are you feeling with that? I'd be curious to know. That balance is really hard, really hard. Because again, just my personality type, I am a zero or a hundred person. So mm. if oh, I'm not feeling great today, oh, I'm not going to do anything. And then I'm like committed to that. That's like the hundred <laughs> part of the hundred percent part of me is like, I'm committed to not doing anything. So it, that's something I struggle with. I don't want to say daily, but it is something I, I do struggle with. Um, but I think something that's really helped me, and this is one of the first things we talked about was, um, I sit down and I create a space where I write down my goals for the month. Um, and lately I've been achieving those goals. And I think something that's been hard for me too, is sometimes I set goals that are too easy that I know I can accomplish that aren't a challenge. Um, Mm. just sake of, okay, I did it, you know, and it's like, but that didn't, that didn't, you know, benefit me as much as it could have. Um, I get, sometimes I personally get, um, again, I set too, too big of goals almost on purpose because it's almost like I try to remind myself, see, you can't do it. Um, so finding that balance of a healthy push is something that I really struggle with. Um, but I've been able to sit down and set goals that are pushing me in a healthy way. Um, and that's something I'm really proud of that I've been able to, um, been able to do, but these last few months I've been accomplishing those, those goals. Um, and so I think, finding that balance, you know, looking at those goals you set, asking yourself, okay, that's fine. If, if I'm not feeling well today, I don't, you know, I'm don't, not going to do my workout or whatever it is. Is that going to offset me to this goal? Or is that something that can, mm. I can this goal, um, by taking that day because there, because there are some days where you're not feeling well and that is okay. Or, you know, something's going on and you're not able to do whatever you're supposed to, to do. Um, I, I think being honest with yourself is, is not only the the best thing you can do, but it's it's one of the hardest things you can do because I think it's really easy to justify because like you said, we're on the other side of that where mm-hmm. we can be flexible with our goals. We can be flexible with our feelings, with our to-do list, whether our agendas. Um, and so that's something I really struggle with. So that's that's an interesting question because that's something I'm still I'm still trying to work through myself. It's a selfish question because I'm also working through it myself. And it's, it's like hard. I think you can you've referred to it a couple of times, right? Of that all in zero to 100 mentality and yeah. struggling to find that in between. I think what's really interesting, a lot of us can probably relate to this, that when you're really good at something in your life, um, you almost get accustomed to performing when you like feel that hundred percent and you know what that feels like. And so you then have that increased level of self-awareness intuition you can tap into it and say i don't really have it today so uh i don't know i'm gonna like mail it in or sorts from a a flow neuroscience perspective there's this term called uh a flow we would call that a flow junkie so someone that's really just dependent on flow state to perform so Mm -hmm. that's that athlete that would be really like if they if they walk into the meet feeling 100 they're they're fantastic they're the best that we've ever seen but if they show up anything less than that, it's like, mm, I just wasn't feeling it anyway. Um, and I remember quite clearly, I mean, I've been in that state a couple of times. There's people I remember swimming against. I knowing them, like and knowing their personality, I would use that to my advantage. I'd be like, cool. If, if I can just get ahead of them, right. then they're going to shut it down. And the earlier right. I can get ahead of them, the the sooner they're going to like lose hope and just say, well, mm-hmm. they don't have it today. Um, yeah. You gotta love the mind games. So yeah. I'm, I'm hey, curious as to just how, yeah, uh, just how are you coaching kids through those maybe moments? Because I'm sure you have kids that show up that are like anything less than 100. Mm, percent What a, what's like your advice to those people, or what's your coaching to those people? Again, I I, I approach it in a very upbeat. Um, I try to play. I try to downplay it a lot because I think mm. we in our head so much. And I try to be that, that bird's eye view perspective of it's just, it's practice. Like, sorry, one second. Yes. Is, is this, sorry, I don't, I got a call. Um, I try, try to be approachable in the sense of downplaying things. Um, you know, is this practice, is this where we're supposed to be getting better? Yes. But this is also where we're supposed to be making mistakes. So you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't beat yourself up for making that mistake. It's not the Olympics. You're at practice and you're level five, like let's relax. It's going to be okay. 
Um, and I, I like to get a laugh out of them so they can understand, okay, yeah, maybe it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. Um, but something we do as a coaching staff, just we, we encourage mistakes. We want them to fail differently. That's something we really love to tell the kids is fail differently. Um, quit doing the same thing over and over again and fail differently. Uh, but I think just trying to make it more fun for them, especially at a young age, because this it's supposed to be fun, right? Sports sports are supposed to be a time, it is your escape, right? Your, your, your mm. safe space, the place where um, you can be your best self or, or improve on yourself. And um, sometimes we just take that too seriously. And I, I just like to be that reminder that it, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna get through this practice, it's four hours and, and you know, you do have a choice and we do wanna get better today, but but you know, let's let's take it one step at a time, one one turn at a time, and it's it's not the end of the world if if we don't get to where we want to go today. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, I like how you just casually drop in. Yeah, it's just four hours. Like let's just just get through the four hours. It's not that bad. No, no it's four hours, but like we just have a lot of events we have to get done, so yeah. we we have to have that up long of time. Otherwise, we wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> it is wild. Now I. I appreciate the perspective and, you know, the, the biggest takeaway I have here is just this subtle reminder of, you know, one thing at a time, one turn at a time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very easy. I think to look at everything in series, like I say it often, right? Like something doesn't go your way and you can be like, this always happens to me. Like this, I always mess up this one piece. And it's like, well, why don't we just check it out? Like it, just this hour didn't go right for you. That that five minutes didn't go right, right for you. The right. next five is up to you. You mm-hmm. can make that conscious decision, tap in and take it one turn at a time. Yeah. I'm gonna maybe maybe I'll start saying that too. You know, swimming had <laughs> enough turns in it. Um, we kind of this has been a blast. Where can those listening in find more of you, connect with you, and do all the things? Learn more about what you're up to. Yeah. This has been great. Thank you so much, Corey. Of course. Did you ask me a question? Because I totally yes. missed it. Oh, okay. did, it, did it freeze there? Um, yeah. I said, where, where can people tune in and like catch up uh, with you, see what you're doing, learn more about what you're up to? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. I I'm probably the 1% of the population who doesn't have a TikTok. Um, I'm not sure if that's a bad branding mistake. It probably is, but I know for myself and my mental health, that is not, I don't need another avenue of, you know, influx coming in. So <laughs> on Instagram, that's where I'm most active. Um, if you are listening in and you're a parent of a gymnast, um, I work with, if you, if you haven't kind of been following along or you're just joining in, I, I work with gymnasts that, um, deal with mental blocks or, or need confidence help or, you know, help with setting goals. Um, I've been there, done that. I did the sport for 20 plus years. I'm now a coach. So I really understand all aspects of the sport. Um, I have a website called writeyourstoryspeech.com. Um, there's more about me on there, kind of my journey, my story, how I got into things, how I got into mental coaching. Um, and all of my packages are listed there. Beautiful. We'll have that all linked below. McKenna, this has been a blast. Appreciate you tuning in today. Remember to share this episode with someone that you care about because together we go far. And until next week, flow on, my friends. Mm